0: Good evening. Myanmar's military backs off from shutting off the Internet as nonviolent protests against the coup grow. Members of the United States Congress recount harrowing experiences on January 6th and the future of U.S. policy in the Middle East. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for Sunday, February 7th, 2021. As enthusiastic crowds of tens of thousands march through the streets of Myanmar's biggest city on Sunday, They were protesting last week's coup, ousting Aung San Suu Kyi's elected government. Their spirits were lifted by the return of Internet service that had been blocked a day earlier. The nonviolent demonstrations are seeking to roll back last Monday's seizure of power by the military and demanding the release from detention of Suu Kyi, the country's ousted leader, and other top figures from her National League for Democratic Party. Earlier this week, President Biden stated the United States' position on the military takeover.
1: Over the past few days, we've been in close cooperation with our allies and partners to bring together the international community to address the military coup in Burma. I've also been in touch with Leader McConnell to discuss our shared concerns about the situation in Burma, and we are united in our resolve. There can be no doubt in a democracy, force should never seek to overrule the will of the people or attempt to erase the outcome of a credible election. The Burmese military should relinquish power they have seized release the advocates and activists and officials they have detained, lift the restrictions on telecommunications, and refrain from violence. As I said earlier this week, we will work with our partners to support restoration of democracy and the rule of law and impose consequences on those responsible.
0: President Biden, Myanmar is also known as Burma, I've been told apparently both names are, are adequate and are, can be used interchangeably. Uh, Myanmar tends to be the name used by the pro-democracy forces, Burma by the military. The growing protests are a sharp reminder of the long and bloody struggle for democracy in a country that the military ruled directly for more than five decades before loosening its grip in 2012. Suu Kyi's government won a, law, uh, won a landslide election in 2015 – It was the first led by civilians in decades, the first government led by civilians in decades, that would face a number of curbs to its power under a military drafted constitution. And former Secretary of State George P. Schultz, a titan of sorts of American academia, business, and diplomacy, who spent most of the 1980s trying to uh, improve Cold War relations with the Soviet Union and forging a course for peace in the Middle East, has died. He was 100 years old. Schultz died Saturday at his home on the campus of Stanford University, where he was a distinguished fellow at the Hoover Institution, a think tank of Professor Emeritus at Stanford's Graduate School of Business. The Hoover Institution announced Schultz's death on Sunday, a cause of death was not provided and we'll be looking more into the career of George Schultz this week on WBAI Democrats prosecuting the former president for inciting a deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol will struggle to persuade at least 17 Republicans to convict Trump and bar him from office. 45 of the 50 Republican senators backed a bid last month to dismiss the trial, essentially telegraphing how the final vote will play out. But the trial, set to begin Tuesday, is ultimately a test of whether a president holding an office that many of the nation's founders feared could become too powerful in the wrong hands is above the law. Senators will be forced to sit still, listen to evidence, and wrestle with elemental questions about American democracy. There will be visual, visceral evidence, and the American people will also be sitting in their own form of judgment as they watch. That record is certainly to be grisly, a reminder on a human level of the horror at the Capitol on January 6th. Senators will review Trump's call that morning to fight like hell before the mob of loyalists showed up to the Capitol Hill to do just that. Senators will be reminded of the rioters' chance, calling for then-Vice President Mike Pence's hanging. House prosecutors could resurface the image of a police officer crushed between doors, blood trickling from his mouth as the violent crowd moved in. There might be additional evidence of how another officer, Brian Sicknick, died defending the building. If that's not enough, senators will be reminded of their own vulnerability as they fled the mob entering their chamber, one of the most rarefied spaces in Washington in fear of their lives the chief of the capitol police lost his job for what members of congress say was a lack of readiness to stop the invaders a lack of intelligence even as certain members of the body gave an alleged tour to the capitol to the invaders the day before the new acting chief of the capitol police is Yogananda Pittman
2: Dozens of insurrectionists stormed the u.s. capitol the capitol police officers who were on the front lines performed bravely in the face of extraordinary violence and destruction. They were engaged in hand-to-hand combat, assaulted with chemical irritants and tasers. They were assaulted with pipes, bats, bricks, and American flagpoles. In all, 125 Capitol Police officers were physically assaulted and over 70 injured. The damage extends beyond their physical injuries. From a mental health perspective, many are understandably struggling. What happened was traumatic, which is why we have ensured our officers and their families get the counseling and peer support services they need.
0: Yogananda Pittman, acting chief of the Capitol Police. Several members of the House gave accounts during a tense and emotional hour on the floor of the House, organized by New York's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Representative Cory Bush represents Ferguson, Missouri.
3: That was not a protest. I've been to hundreds of protests in my life. I've co-organized, co-led, led an organized protest, not only in Ferguson, Missouri, Alongside the f- amazing Ferguson front line that most people don't even acknowledge. They don't even know their names. They don't even know who died. They don't even acknowledge the amazing people that put their lives and livelihoods on the line for our safety. Believing that black lives matter because they actually do. And we shouldn't have to say it. It should just be true. But it's not evident in our society when we have to continue to say my life matters.
0: Representative Cory Bush and Minnesota Democrat Dean Phillips recounted how he confronted his own white privilege as he faced what he thought may have been his death. And we know what it feels
4: like thinking that it's a real possibility that we would not see our families and loved ones again. We won't forget. We won't forget. But I'm not here this evening to seek sympathy or just to tell my story, rather to make a public apology. For recognizing that we were sitting ducks in this room as the chamber was about to be breached, I screamed to my colleagues to follow me, to follow me across the aisle to the Republican side of the chamber so that we could blend in, so that we could blend in. For I felt that the insurrectionists who were trying to break down the doors right here would spare us if they simply mistook us for Republicans. But within moments, I recognized that blending in was not an option available to my colleagues of color. So I'm here tonight to say to my brothers and sisters in Congress and all around our country, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, for I had never understood, really understood, what privilege really means. It took a violent mob of insurrectionists and a lightning bolt moment in this very room. But now I know, believe me, I really know.
0: And that's Minnesota Democrat Dean Phillips. Michigan member Rashida Tlaib broke down in tears as her friend Ocasio-Cortez held her arm in support.
3: This is so hard because as many of my colleagues know, my closest colleagues know, on my very first day of orientation, I got my first death threat. It was a serious one. They took me aside. The FBI had to go to the gentleman's home. I didn't even get sworn in yet when someone wanted me dead for just existing. More came later, uglier, more violent. One celebrating and writing the New Zealand massacre and hoping that more would come. Another mentioning my dear son, Adam, (laughs) mentioning him by name. Each one paralyzed me each time. So what happened on January 6th, all I could do was thank Allah that I wasn't here. I felt overwhelming relief, and I feel bad for Alexandria so many of my colleagues that were here. But as I saw it, I thought to myself, thank God I'm not there.
0: Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib. Nearly two-thirds of Americans believe Trump bears at least a moderate amount of responsibility for the riot. That's according to a poll released last week by the Associated Press. That includes half who say Trump bears a great deal or quite a bit of responsibility. Meanwhile, the GOP is narrowly focused on a more technical constitutional issue, arguing that a president can't face an impeachment trial once out of office, a path they believe is easier to defend than trying to rationalize Trump's actions. Reflecting a big divide in the party between Trump and the traditional Republicans, represented by the number three Republican in the House, Lynn Cheney of Wyoming, who faces censure vote by her state legislature for voting to impeach Trump. She addressed the issue on Fox News.
5: I think you have to read the language of the censure partly. I think, you know, that, uh, people, uh, in the party, uh, are mistaken. Uh, they, they believe that BLM and Antifa were behind, uh, what happened here at the Capitol. That's just simply not the case. It's not true. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of work we have to do. People have been lied to. Uh, the, the extent to which, uh, the president, President Trump for months, uh, leading up to January 6th spread the notion that the election had been stolen or that the election was rigged. Um, but it was a lie and and people need to understand that we need to make sure that we as republicans uh, are the party of truth and that we're being honest about what really did happen in 2020 so so we actually have a chance to win in 2022 and, and win the white house back in 2024
0: and cheney went on to discuss the many criminal investigations ongoing into the insurrection
5: there will be a massive criminal investigation of everything that happened uh, on January 6th and in the days before. People will want to know exactly what the president was doing. They will want to know, for example, whether the tweet that he sent out calling Vice President Pence a coward uh, while the attack was underway, whether that tweet, for example, was a, a premeditated effort to provoke violence. There are a lot of questions that have to be answered, and there will be many, many criminal investigations looking at every aspect of this, at everyone who was involved.
0: Wyoming Republican Lynn Cheney. And the United Nations Special Envoy for Yemen arrived on his first visit to Iran Sunday for talks on the grinding war in the Arab world's poorest country. Martin Griffiths, who was set to meet with Iranian Foreign Minister Javad Zarif and other officials during his two day visit, the sessions are part of a broader effort to negotiate a political solution to the nearly six year conflict, pitting Iran allied Houthi rebels and and others uh, deny that there is a connection between the Houthis in Iran. It seems to be a truism in the American media that such an ex- alliance exists uh, and that. The Houthi rebels have been fighting the Yemeni government forces, which have been supported by the Saudi-led military coalition. The trip comes just after President Joe Biden announced that the U.S. will end its support, including some arms sales to the uh, Saudi-led coalition's war. The long-awaited move refocused the spotlight on the world's worst humanitarian crisis and was welcomed by many Yemenis and aid groups that hoped the policy change might add to momentum for peace talks. Code Pink activist Medea Benjamin says the Biden administration is moving in the right direction.
6: There is indications that the Biden administration is not going to uh, be so close to the Saudis as certainly as Trump was, and that's a positive thing.
0: Does that mean that there'll be a change with the relationship with Iran?
6: There are people within the administration, including the new envoy uh, for Iran, who is Rob Malley, who really do understand negotiations and want to have a um, a quick re-entry into the Iran nuclear deal. On the other hand, there are very strong lobby groups in this country and outside the country, like the Israelis, who are trying to put up roadblocks. And that includes some of the Republican senators and even some of the conservative Democratic ones who are trying to uh, find ways to have uh, legal avenues that they can use to block a lifting of the sanctions, which Uh, Iran now says is a must before complying with the JCPOA or the Iran nuclear deal. So um, there are obstacles, but I do think the Biden administration wants to get back into that deal. The question is how? And the Iranians have put forward a credible way, which is having the Europeans orchestrate the compliance for compliance, meaning the uh, U.S. comes back into compliance and Iran will as well. But so far, the Biden administration has not agreed to that and is still calling for Iran to comply first. So that doesn't make any sense, given that it's the U.S. that got out of the agreement to begin with. The U.S. should go back into the agreement
0: first. You know, it sounds a bit childish, and diplomacy sometimes strikes me as a bit childish. Is this normal diplomacy?
6: It's domestic politics in the United States. If it were normal diplomacy, the Iranian position of having the Europeans orchestrated, since the Europeans stayed in the deal during this time, they want the deal to succeed, that would make sense. But Biden is playing to domestic politics.
0: Talking about Biden, what do you think overall in the direction of his cabinet, and his policies considering he was so close to Obama and Obama started a lot of this problem?
6: Let's remember that Iran nuclear deal was negotiated under Obama. So that is something that is a uh, legacy achievement that the Biden administration would like to get back to. But you're right in terms of other things, such as getting into the Yemen war that was started under Obama. yet they were under the ridiculous assumption that it was going to be very quick and easy. We're almost six years later now. I do think that the Biden administration wants to get out of the war in Yemen. He recognizes that it is a humanitarian catastrophe and that there is no winning this war militarily. The Israeli pressure is a very, very strong one. It's interesting that Biden hasn't talked to Netanyahu since he came into power. But that doesn't mean that Netanyahu's presence isn't being felt every single day within this administration. And that makes things like getting into the Iran nuclear deal, pulling out of the Yemen conflict because the Israelis see that as an Iran-Saudi proxy war. It makes it all much more difficult.
0: What should happen in Yemen once there's a disengagement, hopefully, of the military conflict? What should the U.S. and the other countries do next?
6: Well, there has to be an end to the war. And the U.S. and other countries must put a lot of pressure on the Saudis to stop the war, to stop the bombing, and then go back to the negotiating table. And then there is the issue of humanitarian aid and then rebuilding. There is so much devastation in Yemen. And the United States is not giving the amount of money that it owes, given how much it was responsible for the destruction that U.S. companies like Raytheon and Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin, it was their weapons that were used by the Saudis and the Emiratis to destroy so much of the infrastructure of Yemen. So the U.S. has a big responsibility to give significant amount of money, over a billion dollars per year, to help rebuilding.
0: And Code Ping activist Medea Benjamin. You're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul Durienzo. And snow is coming down in New York City with the worst expected this afternoon to be is actually expected to be over, and checking out my window, it looks like the snow at least in Manhattan is coming to an end. Most area most areas saw up to three inches of snow, and so far we're seeing some Power outages across the city. Queens has been hit particularly hard. More than 1,300 customers are without power, including 120 customers in Brooklyn and 76 in the Bronx. That's according to Con Edison. Manhattan and Staten Island appear spared for the most part right now with just one or two customers in the dark. The storm is also causing disruptions disruptions at LaGuardia Airport. This is the second time in a week that sanitation crews are out working to clear the roads. Department of Sanitation officials said Saturday that they have 200,000 tons of salt on hand and more than 2,000 department personnel ready to go. They said they had pre-salted the streets before the first flakes hit on Sunday morning. While the the department doesn't expect the storm to be as severe as the one that hit the city earlier this week, 100 additional plows will be on standby because, as we all know, you never know with the weather. And the NYPD and the Civilian Complaint Review Board, or CCRB, has signed a memorandum of uh, understanding pledging to follow the police department's new discipline matrix. The new disciplinary guidelines, which took two years to develop, Outline repercussions for officer misconduct and also gives the CCRB more access to officer records. But critics point out that the guidelines are not required and the police commissioner has the final say on all disciplinary actions. The mayor, Police Commissioner Dermot Shea and CCRB head Fred Davies addressed the Memorandum of Understanding and Disciplinary Matrix as meant to impart trust between New Yorkers and their police. I'll be simple and straightforward in saying
7: for about 20 years, over two mayoral administrations, there was not much commitment to the CCRB. Uh, we came in with the goal of reinvigorating and strengthening the CCRB. I think it's gotten stronger every year. I think now we're doing something that really takes it into its fullness. So this is going to be the strongest the CCRB has ever been in its history. Every officer, every civilian deserves a due process. Also it has to be clear if someone has done something wrong and it's been proven, that there are clear consequences. I think this makes things so much easier and clearer for everyone. Commissioner.
8: Trust. One simple word, but it, it means a lot. As I sit here and think, I've been the police commissioner a little over a year. But I've been a police officer coming up on 30 years. And I've grown up in this city. I've lived the majority of my life in this city. And the topic of trust between the police, as you hit it on the head, we've been hearing about this for a long time. This document here, which I can't tell you how many meetings I've been sit, sat at over this document, it's not perfect. We've already heard some criticism about it. But it's something that I'm proud of. I think it's right. I think it's going to go a long way to being an additional step in this process. It's not the end, it's part of this continuum. Look at all that's happened just in the last six or seven years the body worn cameras the training that has been put into place. The policies that me personally have been involved with that I am very, very proud of as you look back at as we shift, I will be the first to say, unfortunately, we have a lot of work to do. This year showed it. Um, it really did. We have a lot of work to do. And that's not to say we're completely fractured. I don't think we are. I think we have a, a good base to build on, but we got we to water it, and we got to let it grow, and we got to nurture it. But when you look at the NYPD currently, we have 34,000 uniformed members. I think I would surprise a lot of people if I said that 31,000 of them don't have a substantiated CCRB. That's that's pretty significant, too. A lot of work to do still. We're proud of some of the things we do. We also own the mistakes we make. Fred? Thank you. Um, Clearly, the key to
7: um, increasing trust uh, and improving the relationship between the police department and the community is for people to really believe that they have a civilian oversight agency Um, that can um, uh, address consistently and with consequence the issues of police misconduct. This MOU, along with the matrix, guarantees that we'll get closer to consistent concurrence, that is consistent agreement, about the disposition of cases and the penalties that go with them. The matrix is very specific about uh, the types of penalties that apply to specific um, infractions of the patrol guide, um, and and those that fall within the CCRB's jurisdiction, um, the the MOU is explicit about uh, those uh, uh, decisions being reversed or downgraded. Only in extraordinary circumstances. So so this is a major step. It's a breakthrough step in terms of getting us closer to ensuring that uh, the decisions that the CCRB makes are final. Now, I want to say, for all my advocate friends out there, Mr. Mayor and Police (laughs) Commissioner, I've been on the record about um, the CCRB having final authority over the uh, uh, cases and complaints that it adjudicates. This gets us as close as we can get, given how the current laws are structured, and, and, it's, and it's not to be underestimated. I, I don't want to go too long, but I'll make one other point please, if I can, please. and that is that um, we have um, precedents for the ways in which an MOU like the one the commission I signed this morning um, can actually guide and, and, and direct how the CCRB interacts with the um, with the uh, police department uh, in a way that's going to be, and it is effective for New Yorkers. So I will cite the CCRB's ability, after all was said and done, to uh, prosecute uh, po- former police officer Daniel Pantaleo um, in the death of Eric, Eric Garner. The judicial system had run its course, but because of the MOU, That the CCRB established with the NYPD, the CCRB previous previous, MOU MOU, um, that focused on our administrative prosecution unit that allows the CCRB to prosecute cases at departmental trials. Because of that MOU, uh, we were able to take a step with Officer Pantaleo that otherwise would not have been taken. The same is true with Officer Isaacs and the death of Darren Small. So we have precedent where these MOUs, or an MOU like this, uh, has had real impact on the ability of the CCRB to do its job and carry out its responsibilities for the citizens of New York. It will be a game changer in the concurrence rate between the CCRB and the NYPD.
0: And that was uh, earlier this week, the mayor... Police Commissioner Dermot Shea and CCRB head Fred Davies, addressing the memorandum of understanding and disciplinary matrix that's meant to impart trust between New Yorkers and their police. And don't go away, because that's just some of the news today, Sunday, February 7th, 2021. The news producer Linda Perry, our engineer is Max Schmid. I'm Paul DiRienzo. But stay tuned because we will be taking your calls for the next 30 minutes if you're not watching the ballgame. And we'll be talking about... Uh, Some of the stories we ran today about the CCRB, about the upcoming impeachment trial, second impeachment trial of President Donald Trump, about some of the things that were said by some of those Congress people who were speaking uh, just a few days ago about their fears and what they went through and what they learned from their experience under fire in the United States Capitol. Um, Our number here is, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. But uh, our number is um, I'm singing here, right? As I look for the number. Uh, thanks to, by the way, to uh, Medea Benjamin. He did a great job as usual. Always there, even on a Sunday, a difficult day by any uh, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. And WBAI's phone number on air phone number two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. So remember that. We're gonna have a little musical break and we'll be back in a minute. uh, Tunes of Myanmar, Burma. That's great music. I got to get that and listen to it tonight, later on. Uh, By the way, I'm here. My name is Paul DiRienzo. Gary Bird is not here in his experience. Um, He is on assignment, I am told, and will be back next week at this same time and place. In the meantime, um, I hope you're not disappointed to be stuck with me. I am not much of a football fan. But hopefully people can help me out in understanding this sport and who the characters are behind it and uh, what this game today means. Maybe you could tell us something about it and tell me if you're not a vegetarian, if you were able to buy wings, which I'm told were hard to come by in this city for this weekend's game and of course the mayor and others have warned people not to have Super Bowl parties this time of year it's I know it's a big thing for a lot of people but this is not the time to have a Super Bowl party I don't know how many people are listening to that but you know it's interesting that since President Trump has been gone and has not been having his big rallies the numbers of cases in the United States have plateaued and seem to be coming down. I don't know. That's It's unscientific to say right off the bat there's a connection there, but it might be worth an investigation. That's where There's a lot of investigations that need to be done of the White House and the former administration. The second Trump impeachment trial begins on Tuesday. You know, sometimes I'm so connected to it, watching it every day. I think everybody must know that, right? But, of course, uh, we all and most of us do have better things to do in our lives. But maybe this is one time when it's worth listening to this stuff. 212-209-2877. That's our number. 212-209-2877. You can join in, become part of the news. And uh, this is your talk back. You can talk back to me. You can talk back to the news department. Hopefully, you'll help us out and learn more and to, uh, to help the listeners to WBAI uh, become even, even more knowledgeable. Uh, it's one of the most knowledgeable audiences I've ever addressed. And it's brought me back year after year, time after time to work here and to, uh, and to talk with you folks, the listeners of WBAI and to, uh, to learn from you and to uh to delve into these issues that are so important to us today together it's always been a great uh, privilege for me to be able to do that and i feel privileged to be here and to take your calls our numbers again 212 209 2877 now i was fascinated by what we were listening to earlier the statements made by the uh people who were in or near the House, the Capitol building on January 6th when the marauding invaders took the building and uh, tried to overthrow uh, the elected government of the United States or prevent the elected government from taking office. Uh, that's definitely a first in American history. Uh, I, I There's many, many better and more uh, erudite uh, investigators into presidential history and the history of American presidents, but um, I do know that there was – one uh, – I think it was Andrew Jackson gave a big party at the White House and uh, that's where uh, – that's where uh, we have some calls coming in. That's where they had a big party. Everybody invaded it and there's still bullet holes inside the White House from drunken partiers firing off their guns into the furniture and stuff. And Nobody was hurt fortunately and I think the president really enjoyed it and had a good time. That was Andrew Jackson quite a long time ago. We have some calls so – Uh, remember to turn your radio down because we're on delay and so you have to listen to your phone don't listen to your radio be ready for that okay we'll save some time if you're ready to do that and you uh, listener and beloved listener of WBAI are on the air
9: Thanks. hey Paul it's Russell
0: hey Russell what's happening where are you calling from
9: did did you notice when they charged up the steps at the Capitol just as they got to the top when they were encountering the uh, Capitol Police. A few of them threw their arms up in the air, like "hands up, don't shoot." Did you notice that?
0: Actually, no. I have to look at it more carefully. I've actually looked at one of those long videos, but I was so uh, focused on uh, that woman being shot. I mean, I had never, you know, it's, I think the first time I ever saw somebody shot on television was Lee Harvey Oswald. So it was, it's an unusual thing; you don't really see it happen too much. Uh, but. Would, are you saying that these folks were like mimicking like Black Lives Matter, like sort of White Lives Matter type of thing or something like that?
9: Well, Paul, I believe it was more of an anti-government rally, not so much a pro-Trump rally. I think there was a cross-section of this country there that's been dissatisfied for a long time. I think they put, did the hands-up, don't-shoot gesture because a lot of people there were, were from different sorts of groups. And what I, what I really want to ask you, Paul, I want to go in a different direction. How are you reporting... Uh, The Myanmar situation, I don't believe it's ever called Burma anymore. Uh, Aung San Suu Kyi was removed for violating a law, right? Uh,
0: Well, I think they said that it's similar to what happened. And to be honest with you, I'm just starting to look into it, and there's a lot more to uh – to uh, learn about this, and I think in future newscasts we 're going to hear more about it as I delve a little deeper into this subject. but I do believe that the uh, she won the election, and they were con- said that there was a violation there that it was it sounded to a lot of people i 've talked to very similar to this country where Trump, in this case the military, claimed there was uh, it was unfair or there was some sort of corruption, and therefore they invalidated the vote but Considering when you see all the people in the streets protesting um, and nonviolently protesting by the hundreds of thousands in the streets of uh, Yangon, the capital, um, it makes you wonder what's really going on, and especially the history yeah. of the government there. We have some other calls coming well, in. Well, I'm going to look more into the Myanmar. I'm going to look more into the We'll do more so- stories on that for sure.
9: Can I tell you, you one you thing,
0: Paul? Yes. We have a lot of calls coming in. So, All right. Next call. Go ahead.
10: How are you? Thank you so very much, Paul, for taking these calls now. And I wanted to speak up for, we still have uh, at WBAI, most of the listeners are uh, senior citizens, and I want to uh, start perhaps uh, and have already uh, made many calls to Washington, D.C., speaking up for senior citizens. Uh, on the stimulus, the COVID, after all the COVID was uh, geared for senior citizens that they were going to get it, the most vulnerable. Here, uh, we are also suffering from economic anxiety, which is also a stress which affects our health. And there are many senior citizens, especially women, who are paid in 70% um, uh, of what a man did, who are retired, getting social security checks that are below poverty. Social oh. security checks below poverty, and I have, uh, wanting, I've been calling uh, different people at Washington D.C. and and speaking up for senior citizens. Citizens that there should be separate, not one big uh, bill of 1.9 uh, trillion dollars, but there should be separate. They should be in pieces, and senior citizens should be addressed first, and they should all be means tested. So that, for instance, for senior citizens who get SNAP, who get HEAP, who get Medicare savings, who have a Social Security check below poverty wages, that Uh they are the ones that get a check, not one check, but a number of checks. And that uh, therefore, if the Republicans are voting against Granny, that they will be challenged in a primary. And then you do it for the children, you do it for the unemployed, you do it for each group in pieces. And then you challenge the Republicans to, oh, you're not going to help the unemployed. Oh, you're not going to ch- help the children. Oh, you're not going to help the disabled and so forth down the line.
0: Wow, that's great. What a great idea. Thank you for that. And you, you express it so succinctly and so clearly. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much.
4: You are and so I hope welcome. people
0: were listening and we're definitely going to keep following that. Very good. Thank you very much. And let's move on to the next call. Comments Hello. or questions. Thank you very much. Hello. Remember to turn your phone down. Hello? Yes, you're on.
11: Oh, hi. Uh, Ed Coffin, St- uh, Staten Island. Um, yes. I was going to call about the impeachment, which most people, I keep hearing over and over, uh, it's a foregone collusion, they won't convict him. but ar- ar- if you look at the arithmetic, there are five Republicans voted to go ahead with the impeachment, only seven voted uh, on January 6th, to go ahead and try and block the election, which means there's 38 uh, senators in between there. My interpretation of the 45 55 vote in the Senate was it meant that the Republicans would rather duck the question. If we well, you know, it's interesting.
0: It's not I thought. I'm, uh, you know, one of the interesting, just to comment on that, one of the interesting aspects of what happened in the last week was that uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, The attempt to try and remove her from her number three position happened behind closed doors while the uh, vote on uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene happened in public. So everyone knew how you voted. And I think that's very interesting and I think that might have had a lot to do with it. And it tells me that people are fearful. I mean that in a way is partly why I play all of those comments because there's a, a level of fear among members of the House and Senate as to what could happen to them, not just political fear, but actual physical fear of what could happen to them.
11: I agree. But I, I'm still saying that if you've got 38 people who didn't vote, you know, either for continuing the big lie or
0: uh, mm-hmm.
11: for impeachment, all you need is 12 of them to convict. That's less well, than a third of those. Do you think that votes. might
0: happen? Maybe something will come out. Do you think it's something's going to come out that I, we don't I, know? I
11: wouldn't. Continuously rule it out. Mm-hmm. I would say let's put whatever pressure we can on senators to do the right thing right. and keep our fingers crossed.
0: Well, that something will come out. I think that maybe they there's some film, maybe there's some footage, maybe there's some uh, wiretap or something well, like that. Well, I mean, that, that, e- that's even if it's out.
11: just going through the day by day bombardment of the big lie from November mm-hmm. through January. The fact is the guy was whole hog on disrupting and breaking the law.
0: That was obvious. I couldn't see why right. didn't people see that coming. All right. And thank you very much, caller. I'm going to, that's, that's only to chew over. Good luck. Thank you. Take care. Thank
11: you. Bye-bye.
0: Yes. And next call, you're on the radio, WBAI, and our number is 212-209-2877. You're on the air.
11: Paul, you mentioned about the – The attempted coup uh, on January 6th, you know, back in the early 30s, a group of industrialists tried to establish a coup d'etat to Mm -hmm. overthrow FDR in the early 1930s. You're right. And it was exposed by a man named General Smedley Darrington Butler. My hero. His life, you know, you know, he was completely discredited by the media at that time. But it's in the book. It's in the it's in the Congressional Record.
0: Right. Oh, you know, it's a great book too. Uh, it's called the Behind N- the Nylon Curtain. Behind yes. the Nylon Curtain, because the one of the big industrial companies that were involved in this was the DuPont Company and the DuPont family. Yes,
11: and I think also IBM.
0: Mm-hmm. The early IBM, IBM oh, so They Smedley were going to go Bindler. off the, when they went off the gold standard. The rich felt that the, their gold, hold, their holdings in gold, would be devalued, yes. and there'd be inflation, but, and it wouldn't be worth as much, which is know, sort but, of what happened. Uh,
11: <laughs> General Smedley Butler, Darrington Butler, exposed it.
0: Right, and what did he say? What was his famous thing? He made that famous speech. I was a uh, Al Capone. Could uh, best Al Capone could do is operate in three alderman districts. Uh, I operated yes. on three continents. Something to that effect, (laughs) as a U.S. Marine. Yes. Thank you very much. Very good. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Very interesting calls. As usual, the BAI listeners are on top of it. They know their history of the United States. I wish more people knew that kind of history. Our number again, 212-209-2877. I'm Paul DiRienzo. This is the extended WBAI news. Sitting in for Gary Bird, who's on assignment. And um, you're on the air.
12: Oh, Uh, Hi. Well, Hi. first of all, thank you so much for putting the uh, first-hand account of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, I think you should rebroadcast it as well, because...
0: BAI did. Right after I put a clip of it, BAI played it, and I think if you go to WBAI.org, you'll see a link there.
12: Oh, no, I'm aware, I'm aware of the link in the yeah. archives, but I think it yeah. should be you know rotated more, because people tend to forget. So that, that was an amazing yeah. document... And again, thank you. I, I discovered it when you played it after the news, So I could Okay,
0: I, kudos okay to cool. You. Yeah, we'll definitely play it again for sure coming up. All right, thank you very I much. Yes. And they replayed a, it on noon on Saturday I'm told. Yesterday at noon they replayed it. It yes, is an sure. amazing statement, an amazing document as you call it, a historical yes. document. It'll be people will be studying that for decades if not centuries. I think
12: so too. And she's an yeah. amazing person. I had the luck to uh, to meet her quite quite casually months before this happened and I had the impression that I was meeting a hero would make history and she is making history in so many yeah. ways i'm so i'm so touched that i had that luck
0: all right but very I good i also
12: wanted to say that this is an election year it's a mayoral election year and today i um, i was at a zoom meeting of the downtown independent democrats which as you know is one of the powers that decide who our candidates are and it was amazingly informational if you want, I can provide an off-the-record account of all the. them. Oh. It's a very crowded yeah. field. I, uh, you know, in these in these things, that, that's when you really find out who is running for what, meaning not the office, but for what cause are they running for? And uh, it was it was very informational.
0: All right, that's I'm very interested, of course, and I'm sure it'll generate a lot of interesting stories for WBAI. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we have time for quite a, f- for a few more calls. So our number, if, uh, uh, let's see, it's 212-209-2877, and you're on the radio. Hello? You're on the air. Oh, Paul Orenzo D- Paul D- mm-hmm. D- Yeah, DiRienzo, close How enough. How are you doing? All right. Yeah. What's up? <clears throat> All Question these or people, comment? they
13: call you, and they don't even compliment you on doing such a great job. Um, orating the um, the BAI Evening News. I mean, I, every time, whenever I, I'm off, I'm not busy, I always make sure I tune 6 o'clock just to hear your voice because you
0: orate the news so well. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I'm glad somebody wants to hear my voice. Usually most people run from my voice, but thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I just don't understand
13: that because I watched a couple of uh, Michael Moore's videos. Because I love mm-hmm. Michael Moore. I mean, he. I mean, he was on Amy Goodman, and I before the election, and Amy, Amy needed to have him back on after the, um, mm-hmm. the you know, and since Biden claimed victory, and especially after the, after the after the insurrection, but Michael Moore, he posted, he had a video online after, after the insurrection. I'm,
0: You probably saw it it already, too. No, I haven't, actually. I will go see it. (laughs) I can't see everything. I spend my all days, (laughs) my eyeballs are falling out of my head from watching all this stuff, and, of course, I never see everything. But I'll check that out.
13: Yeah, it's such a travesty what happened. But my thing is that why do the Republicans don't want to impeach this guy? And then Michael Moore, he had said something about you know, people fear. People have a fear of like a a black planet. You know, most ridiculous thing. <laughs> yeah, white supremacy I mean, is not, a big it's thing. It's, it's like, more it's fascist. Know,
0: not, I think in a way, I mean, they, white supremacy is a people, nice way of
13: saying it. Like the minority, like you know, people of all ethnicities are becoming the majority, and that's what's fearing these, you know, yeah. you know, um, people that have, I guess, of of glo
0: well, did you see the poll so it was much. an interesting poll result I saw this morning on one of the one of the those uh, Sunday talk shows and uh, they said a uh, the Democrat the Republican Party is is literally split 46 percent to 46 percent 46 percent love Trump and see it as Trump's party and 46 percent support Lynn Cheney so uh, and her position so the Republican Party seems to be splitting fissioning into two parts at least on the surface but the glad but if the guy clearly caused
13: the insurrection so and he gets impeached twice and this and and some of them are still they have the audacity to still fight for this guy to make sure he can run in 2024 20, i mean that's how sick and demented these people are because of yeah, time well, i think so condone well look
0: listen to uh, doing anymore <laughs> I don't disagree with every conspiracy th- theory out there. I've been very interested in what the, what might have happened in some of the conspiracy theories which seem to hold water that I've heard over the years, whether it's the Martin Luther King assassination, which I think is beyond us, or the John F. Kennedy beyond conspiracy theory. I think we have lots of facts uh, in those uh, questions. And uh, uh, so that, I won't deny her, denounce her for that, but it's what she's using, people's ignorance of politics and the, Uh, And how the world works, to what end she's looking – using people's uh, being unprepared for – unscientifically prepared, unable to take facts and to uh, critically assess those facts and using that to weaponize people's ignorance. That is what bothers me. I have more calls coming in. Can I move on? Thank you for your call. All right. Next call. You're on the air.
3: Hello, this is Rose from Flemington, New Jersey. How oh, come we don't hear about Chris Kobach tiddling with all those voters in the um, Oriental, Hispanic, and black voters a number of years ago?
0: Well, I, I, when his name came up, I, uh, being in the news, I sort of like, you know, cover it as it comes up. So his name hasn't recently been in the news, at least...
3: Yeah, uh, it's not all for, being washed yeah. over. We need to get on that one. We need to pound yeah. on that drum.
0: All right, we'll find out what Chris Kobach's up to. He's up to something, right?
3: Oh, yeah. And as far as I'm the, concerned, the reason uh, uh, our get, D- Democratic yeah. Party isn't doing anything is they got – we're dealing with major blackmailers here.
0: Well, I i, I, I might have said that was an extreme point of view six weeks ago, but I don't think so anymore. <laughs> That's
3: for sure. And then we also have the fact that we – look at those wonderful attorneys he's hired.
0: Oh, right. Well, they're not even going to be talking about the issues that what what happened. They're just going to try and you know well, say they've that
3: they've been known. They've been known to uh, defend uh, various mobsters and and Russian mafia as well.
0: Right. Well, I mean everybody deserves a good a defense. And what's interesting to me is the only defense that Trump has is that this is uh, he's not president anymore. So you can't impeach somebody who's not president. And actually, there's lots of evidence that in fact you can. So. Uh, you know, uh, nobody's actually saying he didn't do what he did. We're going to see plenty of tapes, plenty of video. I remember seeing it myself about the things that Trump said. We might be seeing things we haven't even heard before yet about what the president said to stir up people. Into, and so many people who went in and somebody earlier, one of the earlier callers said this was a anti-government thing. Well, definitely a lot of people went in there thinking the president of the United States, which I guess is the head of the government, told him to do it. So I don't know if they were doing it against the government or they were doing it for the government. I don't think they knew.
3: And they're not too bright. Let's face it. We have a lot of <laughs> dumb people in this country. And the other thing I'd like to oh, also mention. There's a mention,
0: lack of uh, of uh, our educational system. Let me does not something. teach I'm a blind critical person. thinking. Go ahead. All
3: right. I'm a blind person, and I heard on December 26th of 19 about this new vaccine. Vac- you know, this new virus that was killing people in Paris hospitals. Now, you tell me why somebody in that degree of power had nobody listen to the radio overnight on the BBC. I mean, I just wake I, up. Sometimes. Oh, he didn't care.
0: We, could, no, didn't we don't care. have enough time. This is a wonderful area of discussion.
3: people are dead because of him.
0: Yes. And you know I, I believe that entirely. I fully – I've said that many times. I think the guy Thank should be brought so up much. on negligent a criminal negligent homicide, but I'm not a lawyer. Yes. Thank you very Thank much, Thank you so Carl. much. Bye. Bye. I really appreciate it. That was a good point. You know, <laughs> I think that we have to look at that. All right. Uh, we have one or one call maybe. I don't know, two, I would hope. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Go ahead. We don't what? have a lot of time. Question or comment? Oh. oh, good. My name is David from New Jersey. I wanted the first great show, great show. I don't, I'm going to try to avoid – I'm going to try to avoid the
9: Super Bowl if I can. But um, I want to put a shout out for all the substitute teachers across the state of New York who are now being asked to give back their unemployment benefits for the summer, plus the COVID federal money after working in the school systems
0: during the summertime and keeping them open and that's all i had to say And i appreciate the call very good yes i'm a substitute teacher too i understand that i among my many dell i i uh, dabble in the world of education quite a bit and uh substitute teaching is a major thing and i'm starting to get like a little uh like when's it yeah. going to come back i need to work all right so and i'm sure you know many many others are, are thinking the same thing yeah. I the and extra- these people are hurting
3: yeah. i'll get up to, yeah I'll get,
11: get take, right, another take call. Care. great thank show. you very much all
0: right uh, very interesting. All right, so WBAI buddies. All right, folks, I'm Paul DeRienzo. This is the extended WBAI news. We've been going on, and uh, Gary Bird is on assignment, and uh, I'm here to talk to you and give you a chance to talk back to me in the WBAI news. Thank you very much. Uh, can we fit one more call, and then we're going to raise some money? All right, we're going to raise some money for a minute, but let's take this last call. Go ahead. You're on the air.
9: Real quick, the law that Aung Song Su Kyi violated was the disaster management law. She was keeping schools closed, houses of worship, the whole society's locked down, and she distributed ballots in a reckless fashion. But, Paul, I want to ask you, have you seen any other male legislators weeping and trembling like AOC? Because it reminded me of the Kuwaiti incubator uh, propaganda. Do you find it's a sexist trope to only show scared females and Bush? Legislators I, like I Christine don't know if that's Jeffrey. what happened. I
0: think that you're uh, you're uh, making a. I think you're not. You have to uh, uh, give some people credit that uh, maybe they really were scared as people were like th- were, like roaming through the Capitol uh, saying, "Hang the Vice President." I mean, he's not even a republican- He's a Republican, not even a Democrat. I totally can't stand what he stands for, and here I am, like, my God, what are you trying to do? What are you going in? There? Just the whole visualization of going in there with a rope and saying, hang somebody. I mean, that doesn't that touch a nerve in American history? I mean, geez, that's like the wrong way to go, really wrong thing to say. I mean, even if you want to threaten somebody, to to threaten them with a rope, we all know what that means, all right? That's the problem, all right? We know what these people were about. Okay, that's it. Uh, I would really appreciate it if folks – Became W B A Buddy B A I Buddies in the name of the W B A I News, and you can go to W B A I for well. Give me everything. I mean, like I'm always so unprepared for all of this. Uh, what's our uh, fundraising number? What's the number for run fundraising? I want to tell people what number to call. You can be a a W B A I Buddy, and that means that you can uh, make a donation. You can make a donation uh, on a periodically, like a certain amount every month. It stretch it out a bit uh, like a subscription and imagine we give you the news and then ask you for the subscription fee after you get it, right? And that's the way I love it at BAI. Our number for fundraising is 516-620-3602, 516-620-3602 or you can go to, to org. Give, number two, WBAI.org. That's the WBAI donation site. Or you can just call 516-620-3602 and become a WBAI buddy. Very key, BAI buddies are like subscribers. In a way, it's like a subscription, and you pay a little bit every month. Uh, Let's say you want to give $120. You can give $10 a month for 12 months. That, and do it in the name of the WBAI News, and that way you get to support the news, help us keep this wonderful – this this important radio station on the air and uh, and allow you to hear not only the news but all the wonderful public affairs and arts programming and all the great people who are here for years and years and years. So we're going to sneak in another song. Remember to be a BAI buddy, and I'll be seeing you tomorrow on the WBAI News at 6 p.m. Hope to see you soon. Thank you so much. Again, remember the number, 516-620-3602. Become a WBAI buddy.